Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran Dean Van Dyke will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Well, welcome back. This is From Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. Today, I'd like to welcome Charles Reed, CEO of Get Payroll and a former sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. He's an accomplished senior executive and an entrepreneur with more than 50 years of financial leadership experience in a broad range of industries, as well as a licensed certified public accountant. Get Payroll is the last word in fully compliant online payroll and payroll tax services for businesses of all sizes. Their focus is your business. And they work with you in the trenches to make running your business easier every step of the way. Welcome, Charles. Dean, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Payroll is, uh, you know, payroll is an interesting topic because I work with business owners all the time that, uh, you know, some choose to do it on their own. Um, I advise them to get somebody to help them with payroll. But uh, so before we jump into that, tell us about your experience in the Marine Corps and what led you to start your own business. Well, I joined the Marine Corps after high school. I wasn't ready for college. Um, did my basic at San Diego. Went to Pendleton. From there, was shipped over to Okinawa. Spent uh, over a year in Okinawa and then went south to Vietnam. Uh, did a combat tour in Nam. Uh, I was in computers and computer systems, but I, being young and stupid, I pushed on getting transferred to a combat outfit so i got transferred to the local um infantry company that was doing interdiction and ambushes around red beach north of da nang so i spent six months in the field there uh good experience uh, i will have to say that the first time that bullet went past my ear my left ear not my right ear i did ask myself what the hell i was doing there i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> but uh I came back pretty much whole. Uh, a lot of my brothers didn't. Right. Um, so it was it was good experience. Uh, was stationed then. My final duty station was Kansas City Marine Corps Automated Service Center. Uh, I met and married my wife there in Kansas City. Congratulations. Uh, we were married for 45 years before she passed. Hmm. Sorry to hear that. Sorry so. to hear that. Good experience. I, I, I'm not sure I'd do it again, but I, 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 I wouldn't give it up. No, it is a great experience. And my brother served in Vietnam in the Marine Corps. Um, he was unfortunately hurt in, um, in an attack and uh, made it home. But he was uh, he caught his elbow on a corrugated piece of steel diving back into the bunker, and the elbow was never the same. But uh, so. Yeah. It's um, so I, I mean, grateful for your service. It's a sacrifice, as we know. Um, so how did you get started with your small business? How did you jump? How did you make that leap? Well, after service, I realized quickly that business did not value my military service mm. then as now. They don't understand. They they sure. haven't served. They don't know. They're They're not there. They haven't seen the elephant. They don't understand what we bring to the table as veterans. So I said, okay, I'll have to go to college. I went and got my BBA and my MBA, sat for and passed my CPA exam while I was still in graduate school. Went to work in the corporate world. 
working in corporate for 15 years, large companies, small companies, startups, turnarounds, great experience. Realized I was never going to run a company. I did not have the political skills. Mm. I'm willing to stab people in the back and toss them off the ladder. So in my early 40s, uh, my wife and I sat down and we decided to start our own business. I'd grown up in a family business. It was not a, a big leap for me. Mm-hmm. So we started our own business, an accounting firm. I'm a CPA, obviously. <laughs> the obvious <laughs> choice. Uh, and uh, here we are 30 years later, some 30 years later, still doing it. Congratulations. Uh, the, thank you. Sold off the accounting portion about 10 years ago. Kept the payroll, which is now morphed into get payroll. And we provide, you know, payroll services to small and medium-sized businesses around the country. Yeah, payroll. I mean, so when you think about payroll, what what are some of the, I guess, the, you know, the myths that when businesses come to you for payroll services, what are some of the myths that they they talk about or, you know, that you help them understand that that's, that's not true? Well, a lot of businesses think, well, you can choose to treat people as independent contractors. And just uh-huh. pay them gross. Well, you don't get to choose. The classification of employees versus independent contractors is a huge body of law that changes fairly often. There's a new rule. Uh, the Trump administration imposed a rule. The Biden administration revoked it. They've pushed their own rule defining what's an independent contractor versus a employee. And that'll have to be litigated over the next five to seven years. So. There's a whole body of law in classifying people. And if you do it wrong, it can be very, very, very expensive because the IRS and the state will come in and want all the taxes that you should have collected. They'll want all that paid to them, plus all the interest and penalties. Ouch. Um, Yeah, it can get very expensive. It can put you out of business. So you've got to know how to classify your workers properly. And- there's other things that go with that and the workers' comp and benefits and so on. People like uh, uh, Microsoft got into problems uh, with contractors and benefits and so on. And so, you know, these are people with billions of dollars to spend mm-hmm. on doing it right. They still screwed it up. Um, so it's, it's very hard for the small businessman to do it right. That's why it helps to have an expert uh, that can advise you. You know, you can come to me and I, yeah, there you can make those people a contractor. Those people are employees. These people, depending upon how you structure your arrangement with them, you can make them contractors or employees. There's a lot of details in that, and you got to do it right, and you got to have you got to have it papered right as well as the structure, because the IRS will take form or substance, whichever makes them more money. So if the form's right, but the substance is wrong, they'll say, well, the substance controls. If the substance is right and, and, and the form goes the other way, they'll say, well, the forms aren't right, so we're, we're, we're going to ignore them. They, they do all kinds of things there. Wow. They're one way. So independent contractor, that's an interesting topic because here in Washington State, there's a lot of us. In, yeah. in, and um, so what are... And I wouldn't classify this state as a employer friendly. Um, no, it's not. And I was trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> so, what are some of the things from an uh, 
you know, because I have friends that are independent contractors. What are some things that they should look out for um, in how their, you know, I, you know, independent contractor status is with other companies, with companies that contract with them? Well, first of all, if you are, if you own your own corporation, you're an employee. That's the first thing. If you work in your own corporation, you're an employee, mm -hmm. period. But if you're a contractor, it depends on, uh, there's 20 common law rules. It comes down to control and risk. If, if you have no risk of loss, if you're going to get paid regardless, that tends to make you an employee. Okay. If you can, if you can't substitute other people to do the job, you tend to be an employee. For instance, I'm I'm an independent contractor when I do tax returns for clients. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do them. I can hire Joe over here or Betty over here to do them, True. approve them, sign my name to them, and charge my client just like I did them. I don't have to do them personally. Okay? That makes me an independent contractor. If you're driving a truck for somebody and you can't have your brother take the shift that day, you're more likely an employee than a contractor. Oh, Okay. That's one of the big things, the, the financial loss, the substitute of, of who does the work, uh, who writes the rules. Now, I'm a CPA. I have a license from the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. I have education. I have continuing education. I do all these things that make me a professional in my job. If I don't have those and I they're not required in what I'm doing, then I'm more likely not a contractor because okay. it doesn't require anything special. It can be anybody. So there's a lot of things that go into it, and it's the totalitarian, the, the total of them. It's not one item. There's 20 common law rules. Then there's the IRS rules, which are put out under uh, Fair Labor Standards Act uh, that, that they start with. But when it goes to court, they still go back to the 20 common law rules, and it's the preponderance of those. There's very seldom one item because, you know, it's so varied. Sure. Your contractor status and what you do and what I do and what Sally does and what Joe does, it's all different. I mean, this is the U.S. There's a million ways to do this. So. Interesting. Because I, I wasn't at Microsoft when they went through their issue, but I came on board afterwards, not as, a, as an employee. So I was... Right schooled in what I could and couldn't do. Uh, <laughs> so that was interesting uh, going through that. But so when you think about, you know, the challenges that businesses are facing today when it comes to payroll, how do you help companies, you know, overcome those challenges? Well, when somebody comes to me, first of all, we make sure they're doing, that, that they're all set up for everything, that they filed with the state, that they have all their numbers, they filed with the federal government, that in some states, with the local government, there's local taxes. Mm -hmm. So we make sure they have all their numbers, they're doing everything right, uh, they're, they're, they, they're paying overtime if they're supposed to, uh, how they're paying it, their work weeks are right, their paydays are right. We advise them on how to, to maximize cash flow and how to minimize problems. Uh, we help them with handbooks. Uh, we help them with all kinds of ancillary things. I had a major client who I was talking to one day and I said something about S-cheat, and she said, what's that? I said, oh, well, if you have uncashed 
sex, uh, they have to that money has to go to the state. She says, What? I said, Yeah. She says, You're kidding. I said, No, you have to send them to the state every year. She says, Oh my God. Well, they were in a, a large business in, in doing insurance doing imaging. And they had all these refund checks that they sent out to clients, as well as checks for ex-employees, and they'd just been voiding them and keeping the money. Oh. So we had the lawyer go to the state and make an agreement that they'd pay the last three years in and the state would forego the previous 20. Wow. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing if you don't know that. And that's all it's all in the book. So okay. um, um, there, there's all the kinds of little gotchas that we help clients avoid. Um that's so. that's a big gotcha. I mean, yeah, I I couldn't imagine, you know, just hanging out of the check, voiding it, and then realizing, oh, that's got to go to the state. Um, yeah, you uh, you get somebody that that didn't show up for their last check or, or didn't cash their last check for whatever reason. You don't get to keep that money in most cases. In some states, if it's below fifty dollars, you get to because it's not worth the state. But that's where all the abandoned property lists come from. You see them advertised. Oh yeah. You know, does the state owe you money? Every every business that issues checks or payments or direct deposits, any of those not cashed, have to be submitted to the state under this cheat laws as abandoned property. As abandoned property. Now, the nice thing about that is, once you send it to the state, you're no longer responsible for it. Uh, an employee comes to you after two years and says. I never cashed my last check. You say, hey, I sent it to the state of Washington. Talk to them. Oh, okay. But it doesn't relieve you of having made all the tax deposits and put it on the W-2 and everything else. So. <laughs> oh, that oh, okay. So that's why people hang on to it because then they think that's hasn't been cashed. It's, oh, okay. Interesting. So then when, when, you work with businesses of all size. So, I mean, obviously, you know, a, a company with five employees or 10 employees comes to you. Um, how do you, and I'm thinking more of uh, Seattle out here because they have different, the city of Seattle has some different payroll stuff than like King County and then like Washington State. Right. How, you have different minimum wages depending right. upon where the location is and so on. We work with them on all of those th things to make sure that they are in compliance with the local laws. It, you know, we, we tell them about it. Whether they do it or not is up to them. Okay. But we, we advise them. And we, 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 we send out things to our clients literally every week to try and keep them updated on changes and, and so on. So we, we, and if something particular comes up in a particular state or a particular location, <clears throat> we will send out to those people a specific email alerting them that these things are are things to be concerned with and, and careful of. Wow. So is there like a service you subscribe to to make you aware of all this? I mean, that's I can't imagine we, we, trying to keep track we of this. get we get emails from the states and from the federal government literally daily. Oh, OK. And we're on all the lists. So we, that that's our job. Uh, you know, we we just we do that and we. We put up with it and we go through them and we analyze them. Uh, that's just, that's part of what we do for our clients. 
um, you know, we, we have some things we recommend to them like labor posters so they don't have to worry about it. It gets updated automatically if there's a change. So they have that. So if there's a poster audit, they're covered. We, we, we try to make their life as easy as possible because it's a complex business. That's what we get paid to, to handle. And, and, you know, in most cases, uh, we're free. The, the money we save our clients more than covers what we charge them. Well, especially with compliance. I mean, staying in compliance well, is, you know, the last thing you want is like out here, employment security is coming and knocking on your door and then you're answering to that. 40% of small businesses get penalized every year for employment taxes. 40%. Wow. Which means if you weren't penalized last year or the year before, you're due this year. I didn't need to hear that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I didn't need to hear that. Well, I guess maybe I'll just keep watching the mail. Uh, so that is, that's crazy. 40%. That's huge. 40%. I mean, it's ridiculous. Four out of 10 businesses. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, should be screaming at the mountaintops to get, to get help. I mean, that, cause I, I would hate to see the type of fines and, and, you know, levies, back taxes, and stuff like that, that these 40% pay. It, it, it averages over $800. Wow. That's the average. Now, we've seen some I had. See, we guarantee compliance. So we take care of those things. We had two letters on two clients the same day, the same situation from the IRS, and they wanted $7 in penalties on each one of them. We just wrote the check. It wasn't worth writing the letter to get it fixed. Seven dollars. Seven dollars. It, it was costs, a penalty of seven dollars. So the it IRS would have cost. It would have cost us more to argue with the IRS in terms of time and letters and everything else than it was worth to because the penalty was wrong. But it just wasn't worth fighting. We just sent them the check instead of telling the client to. I'm thinking as a taxpayer, that check from the IRS cost us more to send. Than... Oh, yeah. That, that, the, the letter, the investigation and the letter and the penalty letter cost more than the $7. Yes, wow. I agree. The, the, thresh, the, the hurdle should be much higher than the dollar it is. Under a dollar, they normally let it go, but they need to raise that probably to $100. Wow. I I could I could see getting a letter and saying, "Hey, we need a check for one dollar and one penny." I mean, yeah, it, it happens. That's crazy. I never, because yeah. as a business owner, if somebody's seven dollars in arrears, you're you're not going to send out the collection agency to get it on on a, on a seven thousand dollar tax payment. They wanted a seven dollar penalty. Excuse me. Wow. Wow. That's that's not even rounding error. No, not even it's close. Ridiculous. That's yeah. not even that's not even one percent. No. No. It's that, less than one tenth of one percent. Yeah. That as you can see, my head just exploded thinking about this because you're right. I'd I I'd, I'd, I'd have to look at it and say, is this real? And then you're right, just write the check because it isn't worth and most most people just write the check. For seven dollars, yeah, write the check. It's not worth fighting. For seven hundred, fight it. Okay, yeah. 
you know, and, and we do, we, 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 we're dealing with the IRS on a, and then the states on a daily basis because they make millions and millions of errors every year. The IRS in 19, before COVID, issued $13 billion of employment tax penalties. Something on the order of $6 billion were abated in the end. Wow. People like me. So you can figure, if you get a, a penalty, there's a good chance it's an error. But is it worth fighting? And, and, and if you don't know how to fight it, my favorite analogy is, is when I grew up, Pele was the, the world's best soccer player. Mm -hmm. He recently passed away. But if you took him with all his athletic ability and all his skills, and you put him in a New York Yankees uniform at second base, he'd be totally lost. So you have a business owner, an entrepreneur that's wonderful at what they do, keeps mm -hmm. their clients happy, produces product or services superbly. Now you say, go deal with the IRS. No, thank you. Yeah, they might as well be at second base in a New York Yankees uniform. Now that's scary. Um, just our VFW post had two EINs issued to us. And <laughs> and our quartermaster had to go fight the fight and the and Ivan's very detail oriented and and the number of hours he had to fight with him. It, it he spent forty six hours, I think, fighting with them to get this fixed. And it finally got fixed, but um it had to go to their legal. It had to go. I mean, it was a nightmare. I mean, he yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a nightmare that, so I, I can't imagine. I had one take nine years to solve the, there was a screw up on 1099s. It was a simple error. It should never cost a penalty. Uh, the IRS wanted a $95,000 penalty. Uh, I actually ended up calling because I, I knew him. I called the deputy chief of appeals in DC. I'd met him when I was with the IRS advisory council and said, I can't get these people to call me. He said, she said, I'll have them call you. They called me that afternoon. It took about three months, and my client got a $400 refund. Wow. Instead of a $95,000. That's amazing. Penalty. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what professionals can do, because we live it. We deal with it. We understand it. We know the rules. We know the regulations. We know the IRS manual. You know, it's what we deal with every day. Funny thing was, I got I got a penalty on my business here in the middle of COVID. So I knew it was wrong. So I called up the 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 examiner and said, you know, this is wrong and this is what happened. And he said, we don't care. I said, well, wait a minute, this is wrong. You need to abate it and send me a letter. No, my voice started rising, <laughs> and I started yelling at this person and he proceeded to issue a levy uh, wow. which was absolutely in violation of irs procedure absolutely in violation it took me two weeks to get a hold of his boss and his boss said oh mr reed no that's not a problem it's we'll, we'll take care of it it'll all go away because it was an error mm -hmm. but that's why i don't let my clients talk to the irs because it's personal with them and they'll get upset Leave it to the professional. 
I should have had somebody else call the IRS for me. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I I don't know of any situation where raising your voice for the IRS gets you anywhere. But I mean, and I knew better. I absolutely knew better. But he pissed me off so bad. <laughs> I I believe it. I mean, I you know I I believe it. I've had to make some phone calls to them on the personal side, and it was never a fun experience. And no, it it's just crazy that. Yeah. And so thinking about your business and thinking about some things that you've been through, what what would you say is is your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? My biggest failure in the business was I did not implement marketing early on. I didn't I didn't bring somebody else in to do marketing. Okay. When I finally got so busy here a few years ago, I said, I need a marketing person. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have time to do that too. I hired somebody and it took less than two weeks to realize that Charles can't market his way out of a paper bag. Okay. I'd be a lot richer man today if I had hired marketing, you know, 20 years earlier, believe me. So that was my biggest mistake uh, in, in, in business is not delegating that out much sooner. That was one of the things I should have delegated. I thought I was stronger in it than I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a professional in the industry showed me very quickly that I, I was a, a, a child in, in marketing. And that's, I mean, you know, when we start the business, we're like, hey, we can do everything, right? We can, yeah. we, we can be a jack of all trades and a master of none of them, other than what we're the expert in that field in. And that's right. where, um, it is, you know, one of my clients is a car restoration expert or aficionado. I mean, he's he's a wizard. He just totally creative. And it's just and he loves that aspect of the business. And and so it's just amazing to see him work. And that's where his that's his sweet spot. So I can I can understand that. I've um I've got folks on my side doing the marketing and some of the stuff they come up with, I'm like, huh, I'd have never thought of that. So, I mean, that's great. So now just everything's, everything's rolling in, right? You're just rolling in it now. So yeah, it, it's doing well. Uh, Michael is my videographer. He does things for YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we have some lots of fun videos out there and a lot of educational videos. Yeah. Apparently he tells me that m- the videos of me doing education stuff get huge numbers of views which I don't understand, an ugly old man like me. But apparently uh, the gravitas or something, (laughs) anyway. I bet bet the the education you're providing, people are like scratching their head going, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Or, you know, so it's just, I mean, I can only imagine the kind of views you're getting on those educational videos. So throughout your career and and your business life, who's been your most important professional mentor? My father taught me a great deal mm. about running a, a business. He, he was a businessman. He, um, I couldn't work with him. I, I didn't go into the family business. But my work ethic comes from him. Uh, he was a Navy officer. Uh, when I came along, he was reserve after World War II. So I grew up you know, with him being two weeks every summer off on, on active duty and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a um, commander. Uh, in the Naval Reserve, uh, 29 years. So 
he taught me a lot. Beyond that, I read constantly. Um, Drucker and mm -hmm. uh, Tom Peters are two of my favorite authors, and I learned a lot from them. I don't – probably the one individual I learned the most from was a guy I worked for, and I won't use his name, uh, for four years, and he was the absolute worst boss I have ever had. And he taught me more things not to do with employees than any other single person has ever taught me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing what you learn from that experience? I mean, just, um, you know, my first experience in leadership in the corporate world, uh, I would have crashed and burned had it not been for my oldest brother. Uh, you know, he, we, there was 20 years between us. Um, and so isn't it amazing what you learned, what not to do? I mean, in the value of that is huge. And, yeah. and, and a lot of folks don't realize what you can learn from a bad, you know, from a bad experience. And, yes. and that, I mean, that's, that's absolutely huge. Um, so when you think about those books, you've already named two authors you love. What are the three books that you'd recommend? Well, besides Drucker, uh, anything from Drucker and anything from Peters, the one book I think every small businessman should read, and I buy it by the dozen and give it to clients, and is required reading of every new employee in my business, is Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited. The E-Myth. Love it. It, it saved my business. Uh, I was ready to fire everybody and move it back into the uh, game room and be a sole entrepreneur. And a friend of mine gave me that book, and I read it, and it changed my viewpoint on how to run a business. It mm -hmm. taught me to work on my business, not in my business. Uh, it, it saved my business. It was, and I, I give it out constantly. Yes, it's 30 years old. The, the it, it is still absolutely, absolutely perfect for today. And, and I recommend it to everybody who has a business of their own or wants to. Mm -hmm. uh, because it teaches you some some real truths in working on a business, yep. not in a business. And entrepreneurs tend to work in a business. We know it. We can do it better, faster, cheaper. So we become entrepreneurs, and we don't realize we've just gotten ourselves a job, not a business. Right. And that's, I mean, that's an awesome book. Uh, I've read it in multiple times and it it is Me it's too. an amazing book and i reread it every few years yeah but you also have a book out there correct i do so tell uh, our tell our audience what that book is there it is the payroll book a guide for small businesses and startups uh it's 30 years of wisdom distilled down to ninety-five thousand words there's there was nothing out there i get questions all the time from my clients so and and potential clients so i said you know the, the only thing out there is this payroll source from the American Payroll Association, and it's 600 bucks. And it's designed to train um, people to be certified payroll processors. Mm. So I said, well, I'll write something. Two years later, <laughs> I have a book. Uh, Wiley published it. And by having Wiley publish it, uh, it's a much better book than it would have been had I done it myself. Because they're professionals at it. Uh, they help me with the layout, the design, uh, the proofing of it, the index, the cover, everything. It's a much better book than it would have been had I done it as I did my previous three uh, self-publishing. 
So uh, it's it's designed for small businesses and startups. Uh, it's a reference guide. Uh, there's lots of horror stories in there. There's lots of fun things in there, uh, but it'll keep you out of trouble. Uh, it'll 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 it should keep you in compliance if if you want. And if not, uh, my phone number is in the book. Even better. Where can folks get that book at? Amazon. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's also available at thepayrollbook.com. And for your listeners, if they'd like a copy, if they will go to thepayrollbook.com, enter the discount code podcast, I will ship them a book free of charge as long as supplies last. Discount code podcast. That sounds like a great offer and greatly appreciated. So when you think about, and I was asked, you know, my guests this question, uh, what are your three favorite movies and why? Oh, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, classic. Classic. Um, that's probably my favorite movie. Um, Lord. Uh, if you want to reach real back, Gone with the Wind is a lot of fun. Yeah. But that goes back 70 some odd years. Black and white or in color? In color. I like the colorized version. Uh, and then uh, John Wick. Oh, I can't wait for the next one to come out. Yeah, the first one's still the best. Uh, and and I, I just I love reason that one. And, and it's just, it's a fun shoot em up. It's better than uh, Die Hard. It's just, it's a good shoot em up. And, and it's, 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 it's escape fiction, of course, but it's That's, fun. It's it's fun to watch, and it's I mean, just some of the work they do in the in the movie. It's just it's amazing to see. I I, yeah. I love that. And uh, well, Charles, this has been fantastic. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I know you're in Texas, enjoying the warm weather. Uh, what are some final thoughts for our our audience today? Well, Dean, there's there's two I use for for people in business. Go the extra mile. There's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. If you go the extra mile for your clients, your competitors won't. Mm-hmm. If you go the extra mile for your employees, other people won't. You'll be amazed what that will do for you. And the other one is one I stole from Bill Gates. People overall, business and non-business, will overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. It's a marathon. If, if you want to be a unicorn this year, you're going to suffer failure. It ain't going to happen. But if you want to be successful and you plan for a 10-year horizon, you'll be amazed what you can do. And is, I mean, that's so true. I mean, it's, you know, the, the amount of things that people can accomplish in a three, five and 10 year time span is, is amazing. And yes. And, uh, you know, going the extra mile, there's a lot of companies that say they do, but they don't, they don't, and <laughs> it's not the marketing material, but when the rubber meets the road, it's, it's not, not yeah, that they, case. T- they tell you all these wonderful things they do until you pick up the phone and ask them to do something. Well, that's just not company policy. Yeah, I, I had a one of my podcasts earlier this year. I talked about his customer service debt. I won't go into those companies, but they all tout how 
well they do customer service and it was and <laughs> it was yeah I, I don't even want to go there um because it and one of them's a pretty well-known uh bank and insurance company in the military community and uh it was a nightmare uh with uh accident claim and no i banks particularly are, are terrible and some of my major competitors will tell you how wonderful they are and how they'll take care of you but when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road they're 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 a wall yeah absolutely <laughs> I, yeah there's a few other acronyms I could use on some of those folks, but we won't get into that today. Yeah, yeah no, the FCC would get after us. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's and 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 our military background would come out, and people would be like, "Yeah, they're definitely in the military." So, <laughs> but uh, well, this has been—I mean, this has been an actual absolute joy, and I greatly appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your sacrifice in Vietnam and and Marine Corps. Um, uh, absolute blessing for what you do for business owners. And, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I can't thank you enough. And, uh, I've enjoyed talking with you and, and interacting with you. In my pleasure, Dean. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, this has been from battle to business with Dean Van Dyke and Charles Reed. Please don't hesitate to use the coupon code podcast at the payrollbook.com. And thank you for Another great session of From Battle to Business. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at deanvandyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. <laughs>